0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Brain Food Podcast. I am Casey Thomas and this week I want to continue with the theme of talking about neurotransmitters. And so I want to do a brief rundown of neurotransmitters and talk a little bit about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So let's get into it. So, I've said the word neurotransmitter a lot in the past, and I don't think I've ever really actually defined it, (laughs) which is unfortunate. So, neurotransmitters are these small molecules that are used by the nervous system, and in particular the brain, to transmit information either between neurons or from a neuron to some other type of tissue. All right, so it originates in a neuron and then it's a chemical message anytime a neuron interfaces with something else there's this small little gap between it and whatever it's next to and this small gap needs to be closed and in order to close this gap we eject (laughs) these little molecules called neurotransmitters and so these neurotransmitters are chemical signals all right it's a chemical that is secreted by the neuron itself And this is why we say neurons communicate through an electrochemical way, because there's an electrical signal that gets conducted along the neuron itself, and then this electrical signal gets converted into these neurotransmitters. So that's kind of cool to me. And now these neurotransmitters, what they do is they bind to some receptors on the receiving tissue. All right. So again, that can be a neuron or that can be some other type of organ tissue. And a neurotransmitter can influence the receiver in one of several ways. It can either be excitatory, it can be inhibitory, or it can be modulatory. So an excitatory neurotransmitter will promote the generation of an electrical signal in the receiving neuron. An inhibitory neurotransmitter prevents it. The specific response actually has very little to do with the neurotransmitter itself the specific response depends on the receptor all right and it's through this mechanism that a single neurotransmitter can have a multitude of effects. So depending on where the receptors are located, the very same neurotransmitter that we made can be excitatory in one place and inhibitory in another location. All right, so this gives us a finer level of control, and it allows that same neurotransmitter to serve double or even triple duty by giving it some extra functions depending on the receptor that is receiving it. Now neuromodulators are a little bit interesting because while inhibitory and excitatory neurotransmitters act immediately on the receiver, neuromodulators are not restricted to that little gap in between those two. All right, they can affect a large number of neurons or tissues at once. It takes a little bit longer to last, it's a little bit slower, but the The upside to it is that it can regulate populations of neurons or tissues, which is pretty cool. Now, last week we talked about dopamine. And so dopamine, as we know, is a big player in things like reward and motivation. But we have a lot of other neurotransmitters that are quite common in the brain. So I'm just going to do a quick little run-through through each of these, and... The first one that I want to mention is glutamate, which is the primary excitatory neurotransmitter. We also have GABA, which is the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter. We have glycine, which is another inhibitory neurotransmitter, but it is found mostly in the spinal cord, so it's not as prevalent in the brain. Noradrenaline, or norepinephrine, depending on where you're reading, <laughs> is the primary neurotransmitter involved in the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for the fight or flight response. And I'm going to go into more detail about that shortly. Serotonin. I'm sure you've heard of this one. This is a very wide reaching neurotransmitter and it has a huge list of roles. All right. It helps out with sleep. It helps out with memory, appetite, mood, among many, many other things. And some little fun fact for you, which I love to cite all the time, <laughs> is that something like 90% of the serotonin in your body is actually made in the gut and not in the brain. So that's that's kind of interesting. And the last neurotransmitter that I want to mention is histamine. And this is the major neuromodulator, all right? And it has a huge role in things like metabolism, temperature control, hormones, and even controlling the sleep-wake cycle. So neurotransmitters are absolutely critical for human survival, absolutely essential for our brain health and our brain performance. And I wanted to talk about each of these just so you're familiar with some of these terms that might get thrown around whenever you're looking up nootropic websites and and things like that that claim to boost different neurotransmitters in the brain. Now you know a little bit about each of them. But one of the important things that I want to talk about is that neurotransmitters are synthesized in response to a lot of different types of cues. So things like exercise can stimulate neurotransmitter synthesis, things like stress, things like diet, and so on. And these neurotransmitters are made from a very wide range of building materials. But in every single case, the neurotransmitter is created from food stuff, And it's No surprise that people who are severely deficient in different aspects of their diet tend to have disturbances in their neurotransmitter synthesis and their overall neurotransmitter levels. And you can see a a close parallel between diet and different psychiatric conditions, okay? And it's, it's through this mechanism of altered neurotransmitter synthesis that is believed to be the root cause. And so some of the most important materials for synthesizing your neurotransmitters which will just cover your basis and make sure that you're giving the body whatever it needs to make these things you need enough amino acids all right so that means you have to be eating the bare minimum amount of protein and for me i tend to advocate a relatively high protein in comparison to standard government guidelines so i'm talking somewhere in the ballpark of 1.6 to 1.8 gram per kg per day of protein and if this number seems really really high to you what you can actually do instead is use 1.6 to 1.8 gram per kg of fat-free mass per day all right and that should be a little bit lower because not hundred percent of your body is fat-free mass <laughs> uh, so you have a little bit of fat in there and most fat tissue is not metabolically active or not as metabolically active as the other types. So if you're carrying a little bit extra fat more than you would like, then I would recommend the 1.6 to 1.8 gram per kg of fat-free mass as your target. So protein, very important. Next up are certain micronutrients. So really key for neurotransmitters are your B vitamins. And in particular, we're talking about thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, B6, colate and b12 all right all of those are some huge players next up vitamin c we also find that zinc and choline are both important as well so make sure you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables make sure you're eating (laughs) a balanced diet make sure you're getting enough protein and if you are eating enough protein and you're eating enough fruits and vegetables you should be fine on all of these and you can throw in some eggs if you want to get a little boost in the choline okay Now changing gears a little bit, I do want to do a little bit of a deeper dive into noradrenaline in particular. And as I said, noradrenaline and adrenaline are sometimes called epinephrine and norepinephrine. Noradrenaline is the primary neurotransmitter involved in the sympathetic nervous system. I mentioned before that the sympathetic nervous system is responsible for the fight or flight response. And when noradrenaline is released, it directly stimulates multiple organ systems to prepare for that fight or flight. So some examples of things that it's doing are dilating your pupils, all right, to allow more light in, to give you better vision. Blood vessels are going to constrict in your skin. This is going to allow more blood to be shunted to your muscle tissue. And an extra benefit is that if you get cut, you're not going to bleed as much. Your heart rate's going to increase, your respiratory rate's going to increase, and both of these are going to work to get oxygen to your muscles and also to clear out waste products. Kidney is also activated to produce adrenaline and epinephrine, which is a hormone. All right, so noradrenaline and norepinephrine are the neurotransmitter, but adrenaline and epinephrine are hormones. And an important distinction here is that the neurotransmitters have a near immediate response, but the trade-off is that it's short-lived. On the other hand, the hormones, so adrenaline, this can enter the bloodstream and it can act on pretty much every single part of the body. And it reinforces and sends the exact same message that noradrenaline does. So all those same things that I just listed, it does those things, but as a hormone, it lasts much longer and it can persist until we no longer need to have that fight or flight response. Now, adrenaline is very useful when your body needs to fight or run away. But in modern times, our brain cannot distinguish between a true physical danger and an imagined one. And what you see is that even the thought of exercise will preemptively raise our heart rates. All right. And so normal stressors like work, relationships, you know, anything else that's stressing you out, these can cause adrenaline to be released in the absence of any true physical danger. And what happens here is this can have a pretty bad knock-on effect if it goes unchecked. It can lead to mood disturbances, poor sleep, damaged blood vessels, increased risk for hypertension, anxiety, and even weight gain, which is partly why it's relevant. (laughs) I wanted to talk about this because we've talked in the past about the importance of sleep. We've talked in the past about the importance of having a healthy body weight and too much adrenaline and too much stress can be negative. All right. And so in order to help control adrenaline, what we have to do is we have to activate the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system. We have to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And This is sometimes called the rest and digest system. It also sometimes goes by the feed and breed terms. What this system does, this is supposed to be the default. All right. This is supposed to be the default. It's supposed to give your body time to rest and repair. There are loads of strategies that you can employ in order to enhance parasympathetic activation. And so some strategies, some of these are nutrition related, some aren't, but This is what I've found has helped and this is what is supported by the literature. So if you feel like you are someone who is too stressed out all the time and you just need to reset and activate that parasympathetic nervous system, try out meditation, try out breathing exercises, various soothing activities like yoga, reading a book. Regular exercise has been shown to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Just regular, continual exercise. Eating a healthy diet, surprise, surprise, (laughs) and cultivating a good support network. Some more specific nutrition related tips for this is to limit caffeine intake, and especially around the evening time, because you don't want it to impair sleep, because caffeine is a stimulant and caffeine causes this, uh, sympathetic activation. Alcohol also causes sympathetic activation as well as anything stimulating. So try to avoid, you know, TV, cell phones, computers, loud music, anything like that before you go to bed. And one of my favorite things to do that does activate the parasympathetic nervous system is spend some time in nature. And there's a term called green bathing Seeing green stuff has been shown to help out and to relax and calm and just be good for you. So I know it wasn't strictly nutrition related today, but I hope that was valuable to those of you who maybe have been a little bit more stressed out and who are looking to reset this aspect of their nervous system. Okay everything needs to be in balance in the body you really do need to prioritize giving yourself rest and relaxation and i know that if you're a listener of this you're probably a high achiever and you're probably constantly working and constantly stressed out all right so i really did think it was important to talk about some of these strategies to activate the parasympathetic nervous system okay so if you do I guarantee you, you will be feeling better. You will have better luck managing your body composition. Your brain is going to be healthier and your brain is going to be performing better. All right. So it's not always go, go, go. Make sure you make some time for that rest and relaxation. Okay. All right that'll do it today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you have found any value at all in this podcast, I would super, super appreciate it. If you could share it with a friend, I am trying to grow it. And a word from you would truly go a long way. We'll be back next week talking about some more brain food stuff and stuff that's good for the brain. Take care. Thank you for listening to believe.